Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. I want to talk to you from Isaiah 61. And if you haven't been around us for, for very long, um, just to say that the Lord has spoken to us as a, as a family very powerfully through uh, the first seven verses of Isaiah 61. And so it's a bit like a theme here. And as we start out a new decade, I thought it'd be good for us just to uh, scratch around a little bit more in Isaiah 61. So uh, I'm going to have it on the screen here for you so you can follow along. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. They are a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places that have been long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, Foreigners will work your fields and your vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. So instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. Hallelujah. I mean, these, these verses are so packed with, with deep instruction. And in fact, Jesus used this passage, he quoted at the very beginning of his earthly ministry. And you'll find this in Luke chapter 4, where the scroll is open and, and he's, it's just that prophetic intersection of time and place where he's given the scroll and it's at the exact spot. And he reads that and he says, today this is being fulfilled right here in your presence. And he gives in a sense something of his manifesto, what he came to do. He came to set captives free. The, the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit was on him. And we're talking about this being a decade of the spirit again. And in particularly this year that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit that we're not doing things in our own energy, in our own strength, in our own you know, training or experience, but we're saying, Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Anybody prayed that prayer? A few of you, that's fantastic. Most of us have sung it somewhere along the line, yes? And we all know that songs are just prayers set to music. So God was listening, yeah? And um, so when you, you said, you know, have your way, he says, all right, let's do that. And, uh, and sometimes he brings us to the end of ourselves 
so that we can no longer have our way so that he can then have his way. Because we have to rely on him. We can't do it in our own strength. Yeah? And so God is, is, is working powerfully in us and through us and he's causing us to be the very sons and daughters that he destined us to be. He's making us to become who he wants us to be. This is really good news. He who began a good work in you will bring it through to completion. Oh, thank you, Lord. He's going to do it. I don't know about you, but, you know, it's really hard to change yourself. But God, he can bring about transformation and change. And so we, as we're saying, Lord, have your way. He, he will have his way, and he's going to bring us through into a completely different way of living. And he's described this way of living here in Isaiah 61. Uh, also, we're loving now, being 2020, this thing of double portion, right? And doubling, verse 7. Uh, you know, 2020, and we're going to a double service, and we, you know, just uh, this thing of double yokes. Uh, somebody was just saying in the last week they cracked open 10 eggs and seven out of the 10 eggs were double yolks. Seven has got a bit of a ring to it as well, hasn't it? So it's just like, wow, the Lord, you, 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 you're just getting our attention in the natural about actually what you're wanting to do in, this, in the supernatural. And as we move into a, a thing of, of, of increase, we're saying, Lord, you're the one who brings the increase. So all right, we're going to make ourselves open and available for that. And, and part of the moving to the second service is to create that space um, for him to, to bring increase. Is that good? All right. But what I wanted to focus on this morning, and it ties in actually with, with where uh, Daryl was early on, but it says, you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. I mean, this was just the most crazy thing for Isaiah to prophesy because the people had this, this crazy separation mentality. You know, like there are a bunch of people and they're called by God and they set apart. They're the priests. Let, let the priests and the Levites, they're the ones who are called of God. So let them get on with worship and the rest of us, we'll just do normal stuff. And Isaiah cracks right across that and he's saying, hey, all of you are going to be ministers. You're going to be called, you're going to be named a minister of the Lord. It's kind of like, but I'm not of the right tribe. How can this be? And he's shaking the people and getting their attention to come out of a, a, a previous mindset and to step into a new way of living. That was the whole thing around the, the, the Reformation 500 years ago. Martin Luther, he bangs 97 theses on the, the church door. And, and he, was, he, was, he was crying against the separation between um, the priesthood and the laity, amongst many other things. I mean, obviously the whole thing was, it was about faith and not you know, through... through uh, trying to earn your way to get to salvation. But it was a receiving by faith. It was the grace of God that, that we saved. And so many things there. But inside of this was this, hey, we, we, we don't need this 
this intermediary, this priesthood, that we have to go through them in order to get to God. We have direct access. We can come boldly before the throne of God. Right? You don't need somebody else to hear your confession in a sense. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. You don't need to go through a human. You, we can go straight, Jesus, forgive me. Yeah? This whole kind of separation between those who are on a platform with a microphone as being called of God, being ministers, being priests, and then everybody else who goes to a proper job on Monday morning, well, you know what, you're, you, you just, you know, you just exist to earn money and put it in the offering bag. No, no, no. That's not the way it's meant to be. We're all called to be part of God's family and we're all called to minister to him. And there's no division in terms of holiness between the sacred and the secular. And there's no difference in status between those who receive their income in the context of worship and those who receive their income in the context of the marketplace. Are we clear on this? This is, this is a, a tough thing for many people to deal with because we've been conditioned by what we've seen modeled around us. But we're a prophetic people, which means we actually live according to the prophetic promises and how God intended us to live. We're not just following everybody else's design. This verse is your verse. Amen. Turn to the person next to you. Just look at them, because they're an amazing priest. You're a minister. Hmm? Actually, here's the interesting thing. The people of God had missed God's design, but he'd, he'd made it clear to them pretty much from the beginning, right? So in Exodus, Mo, he's, you know, gathering the people and, and he's helping them to understand what the plan and the purpose of God is and why he brought them out of Egypt. So then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Okay, the whole thing of intimacy. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. God was saying to them, I'll be your king. You're going to be part of the kingdom. Right? So he was setting up a theocracy. God was king. They didn't need an earthly king. But he was saying, you're going to be a kingdom of priests unto me. 
In other words, everybody is meant to be part of this thing called the priesthood. And so we, we now refer to the concept as being the priesthood of all believers. And we pick up this again in the New Testament when Peter writes, and uh, in chapter two, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession. This sounding like familiar? Yeah? Yeah. Look, he was, he was a good Jewish boy. He read, the, he read the scriptures. He knew what was in them. And so he was pulling from Exodus. And so here he's talking to New Testament, New Covenant believers, and he's saying, hey, you guys, you Gentile chaps. It's like most of, look around the room, I think most of us are Gentiles. Yeah? Gentiles are all, you know, you've got Jews, and then you've got all the rest. All the rest equals Gentiles. It's probably all of us, right? Okay. So we are now God's chosen special people. Isn't this extraordinary? This new covenant, it brings down the dividing wall of separation, Ephesians tells us. This is what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. This is what Jesus has done for us. Yeah? This is extraordinary. It was first in the old covenant reserved only for the Hebrew people. But because of Jesus, he says, listen, all you all, you come in too. So now we become the special chosen one, his possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay? We're chosen people, but you see that? A royal priesthood. He's a king. He's the king, remember? And because we've been adopted into the family, Jesus is our elder brother, We've been adopted into his family. We've been adopted into royalty. We are royalty. Oh, it seems strange that some people want to give up royalty these days. It's Brexit and then there's Megxit and all sorts of things. We're royalty. We're special. We're, we're, we're kind of like, we suddenly find ourselves we're in the right tribe. We're accepted and acceptable. But it's not just, you know, that we can sit around drinking tea and eating cucumber sandwiches. We've been adopted into this royal family that we might actually be part of the priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. So, The, the beauty of all of this is that every single one of us are called into serving the Lord and to ministering to Him and to ministering to one another because that was the whole thing of the priesthood. That we've got, in a sense, there's a prototype that we can draw from. And we, we, we see that they were involved in... in in the sacrifices and all of the work that went through that. I mean, these guys had to roll up their sleeves. It was hectic work. The, the, the guys would have times of, of preparation before being launched into the priesthood. 
by age 25, they would enter into like an apprenticeship, and by age 30, they would be released into full ministry. Isn't that interesting? Jesus was about 30 when he began his ministry. The, one of the things that they had to do was they had to get these big old oxen and lift them up and put them up on the altar so they could burn them. I mean, that's pretty hectic work. You've got to be somewhat, you know, fit and strong and all the rest of it. In fact, they said that when the guys got to age 50, they would then reassign to different duties. They would move more into a mentoring role because of all of the hard work and sweat, whatever, of trying to lift these things and being covered in all the gunk from the sacrifice. I mean, there was blood and stuff everywhere. And then afterwards, there was clearing up of the ash and all. You know, we read the Bible... And we put, you know, beautiful sort of romantic, idealistic imagery over it. Guys, it was, yeah, I nearly said bad word. But there was blood and there was mess. There was a whole heap of stuff that they had to do. They had to prepare things. They had to do things. They had to clean up and clear up stuff afterwards. There, there was loads of things that, that were part of this thing. And it wasn't just, you know what, hey, we're having a nice cushy, cozy time and we get to, you know, enjoy all of the, 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 the wonderful ceremony and the, and the worship and the music and the singing and all the rest of it. But there was also some graft that was involved in this thing. They got to get into the close presence of the Lord. They got, to, they got to see and experience things because of the nearness to his presence. But there was this combination, if you like, of, of having to do stuff as well as having to be. And, and these guys were, were, were dedicated. We use the word holy. But the holy, the, the word actually means to, to be given over completely, to be dedicated to the Lord and to his service. He says, we are holy. I know, you're sitting next to a holy one. No. If, you, if you think that holy means goody two-shoes, you're kind of like, oh, not so sure about that one. But that's not the biblical understanding. Holy means you are totally yielded, separated unto him. You're given over and you are dedicated to him and his service. He says you are holy. Because you've dedicated and you've given your life over to him. So you no longer live for yourself, but you live for him. You've been bought with a price. He owns you. You're his possession. Are Christians possessed? We're possessed in the sense that we are his possession. He owns us. Yeah? This is brilliant. Yeah, he, I mean, he puts his seal upon us. He puts his name on it. It's just like, yeah, we belong to him. Yeah. All right? And we get the amazing privilege, not only of serving him in worship and prayer and dedication, righteous living, because he's given us his righteousness, we can now walk in that righteousness and continue to live righteously. But also we're able to reach out and touch the world, we're able to minister to others. And we've been included in this awesome responsibility. 
And it's not just up to a few professionals to do this stuff. It's not up to somebody with a microphone and a platform. Oh, they're a minister. They get to do this stuff. And we just sit back and, you know, watch them do it. That is not God's intention for us. God's intention is that all the saints would be equipped to do the work of ministry. To do the work of ministry. Yeah. And so each one of us, we can be involved in this in so many different ways. There's a spiritual component to it and there's also a practical component. And, and so the, the, the stirring up is to hold on to both of these things and to do both. Because some folks say, well, you know what, I, 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 just, I just, you know, me in the closet and I just pray every day, all day. You know, that's my ministry to the Lord. So you're like, well, how about helping out your neighbor? No, 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 no. This is my ministry. It's kind of like, well, you've got other people that are so busy. You know, we've got the Mary Martha thing going on. It's kind of like, hey, settle down, Martha. Chill a little bit. You're working yourself to a frazzle and you're not giving yourself time for intimacy. Mary was the one sitting at his feet. It's not either or, it's the both and. It's the doing and the being. It's the ministering to the Lord and from that place ministering to the people around us. So where's your pulpit? Well, your pulpit is your office desk. Yeah? Your, your, your pulpit is your car. Your pulpit is the cashier's counter. The Lord has given you multiple pulpits. Lots of opportunities. Your, your, your pulpit could be social media. But use it wisely. Some people just put things out to goad and trying to provoke whatever kind of responses. We don't have to answer every statement. All right. You know the word minister actually comes from the, the, the root definition is to serve. So we, we want to hold our, our government ministers, if you like, to account because they're there to serve the people. They're not there for their own good. It's not kind of like, hey, I'm the chief and I'll take all the stuff, you know? No, the point is you've been placed in a position of authority and responsibility to use that for the betterment of those that you're serving. So to, to be a minister is to be one who serves. All right, as we kind of wrap things up a little bit here, Daryl touched on this thing, the path to greatness. You know, you want to be great in the kingdom? He says, learn to become the servant of all. Yeah, just humble yourself. God will exalt you in due time. It's okay. We can, we can, all, do, we can all do the easy things. 
behind the scenes. Nothing is below us. And yeah. Peter suggests, more than suggests, that we use our gifts to serve others. We want to touch people. We, we want to be an example to others. You know, you want to, you want to reach that, that guy who's your boss and you think his middle name might be Lucifer. You, it's just kind of like... You, you know, one of the ways in which you can win people over is by serving. So, but he doesn't deserve it. No, it's not about deserving. It's about showing Christ-likeness. Chatting to some, some people the last couple of days. You know, very often, people who are really grouchy at work, they're operating out of their own dysfunction. And it's that very dysfunction that Jesus came into the world that he might save people out of their dysfunction and bring them to wholeness. Yeah? So he came to save us and make us whole and to deliver us. Sozo. Whatever gift you have, serve others. Faithful stewards of God's grace. Especially in the household of faith. Yeah? Somebody say, well, I only do it out there. It's kind of like, you know what, actually? Starts amongst God's family. How can we serve one another? Somebody's sick. We go and visit. We. Don't call the office. No, we. Somebody's moving house. Hey, can I come help you? You know, you've got a couple of buckies and trailers. Let's, let's do it together. Yeah? So we care for one another. Somebody's... Um, having a, the delight of a new child being added into the family. Then we rally around, bring meals and help look after the, the older kids. And, you know, just, we, we get involved in each other's lives. We serve one another. And we start, especially in the household of faith. Yeah? Sometimes we bring things to the generosity table because we know it's going to be a blessing to somebody else in the family. Sometimes we actually bring items that's actually a little bit of a sacrifice to us. It's not kind of like, you know what, how can I clear out the clutter? Yeah, that's part of it. But how can I actually bless somebody? Let me put something on the table that somebody's been crying out to the Lord for and we can be the answer to that. We serve one another. Easy, practical ways. You know we're going to reap a harvest through serving? So don't get weary we serving as unto the Lord. He will not forget your work as you have helped his people. You see, he's seeing, he's watching. There's, there's a serving unto him. And there's a reward for serving. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, we, we, we get it in the sense of when we're part of the crew, we... We're rubbing shoulders with one another and we're knowing a little bit more about them and you know, as we're washing dishes or whatever it is that we're doing, we, we get to, to build connections with one another. Some of the best friendships in the church family have started over the kitchen sink. Yeah. 
because you know when strangers come for a visit you leave them in the lounge but friends you say hey in the kitchen come and there's a sense of actually being included and being grafted in so we can we can do it together all right we're all called to minister it's not just for a select few And it's not just the practical stuff. Practical stuff is good. It's great. This is what we all do. This family, this is what we do. This is our heritage. This is our roots. If you're part of the family, you do stuff. If you don't want to serve, I'll just tell you what happens at my house. It's kind of like written warning. Kind of like, it's my humor, people, okay? I don't write my son's written warnings, okay? Just. But sometimes some of these things go through my brain. It's kind of like, so where would you like to live? You know? It's like, dishes, dishes here, clean, pack away, or your own dishes somewhere else? but dishes they are. So there's the practical side of things. But it's the both. The Lord's calling you to step up into supernatural ministry. The Lord's calling every single one of us to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The Lord's calling every single one of us that we walk in our identity as sons and know the authority that we have in him and in his name. And when we come across witchcraft and the demonic, we're able to say, no, in Jesus' name, get out. We don't have to to call in the SWAT team. We don't have a SWAT team in this family. We are the SWAT team. Yeah. Because he's given to every single one of us the authority to send the enemy packing. Right? If you're not sure what to do, come, we'll train you. That's why we have training and equipping opportunities. Because this is the normal Christian life. He says, you will be called ministers of the Lord. And this is part of what ministers do. Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. We're advancing the kingdom. And we all get to do it. And we all have a pulpit. Sometimes the pulpit looks like a pram. Sometimes it looks like a desk. For a minute minority in the church it looks like a microphone it's like one percent come on it cannot be that the army of God only allows one percent to actually do the stuff so we've got to get away from that sacred secular divide we're all called we're all in ministry we're all full time isn't that amazing 
you're in full-time ministry. Yeah. You know, some people used to think that church was only, you know, two hours or so on a Sunday, and you were only a Christian for those two hours. You know, you walk in, put on your God face, you do the stuff, and then when you, like as you drive out the gate, you kids are blah, 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 because you're gone. None of you know what I'm talking about. You've just heard of, perhaps. No, we serve Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're in full-time ministry. We all get to do this stuff. And we serve him in the supernatural things and we serve him in the practical things. Hold on to both. And who knows? Perhaps while you're doing some of the practical things, as you're checking in the kids for children's ministry, and you notice that somebody's limping along, it's like, yo, you know, are you in pain? You don't even have to have a word of knowledge. You know, it can just be knowledge. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, it looks like you're limping. Are you in pain? Yeah. You know, we know how to take care of that. We really want you to enjoy the service. So we're not going to wait for prayer at the end of the service. We'd like God to take care of the pain now before the service even begins. You can actually receive more. Can I pray for you? Well, who are you? No, I'm just the person checking in the kids. Well, are you a minister? Actually, yes, I am. Come on. Let's do it. Let's stand. Let's stand together. Come on, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Lord, we, we come to worship you, to honor you, as ministers unto you, that we might magnify your name. We may glorify your name. We may make you famous. We may exalt you above all else. Our eyes are on you to love you, to adore you. Let fragrant offerings let incense rise, incense of worship, as each one of us, we tend to that fragrant offering that's coming from our own heart and our own lips. We're ministering to you. Thank you for the privilege of being called ministers of our God. We thank you that you have gifted us with various gifts and skills and abilities that you might use us to bless others even as we serve. What a wonderful privilege. And then you're going to reward us for doing that. <laughs> it's win, win, and win. Oh, we just worship you, Lord. We thank you. So we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you that you are doing things through our lives. And we ask that as we go back to our pulpit tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, that we see the workplace and our colleagues or the folks we're driving alongside in traffic or, or the, the, the shop assistants, wherever. We, we see those people as being in need of ministry and that you have called us, anointed us, and you're enabling us to be the very minister that they need that moment. Oh, so we bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we just thank you that your grace is upon us even right now. Your provision for our needs. You're a good father. 
You provide for what we need. You take care of the birds. You take care of us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for, for life itself. We thank you for hope that rises in every heart here. That you caused us to be a prophetic people and we look a little different, maybe even peculiar, because everybody else is negative, but yet you've caused us to become positive, filled with hope and faith and expectation that with God, anything is possible. Thank you for your peace that keeps us, cocoons us, sustains us. Thank you, Lord, for every resource from the heavenly realm that's being made available for us, every single one, according to their individual need, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah.